in the name of Jesus, amen. Our Lord Jesus says, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? Amen. You may be seated. Dear saints, the sermon has been retitled. Instead of promise, not payment, the title of the sermon this morning is giving the gospel the stink eye. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about when I say the stink eye, right? Sometimes we call it the evil eye or just the eye. Imagine a a couple of men standing around, visiting, talking with each other, and the wife of one of them walks by, and, and one of these men had done something wrong or said something wrong, and she gives him the eye. You know what I'm talking about. I I can't do it well. And the other guys standing there say, what did you do? She just gave you the stink eye. (laughs) Whatever you did or whatever you said, you know you're just in trouble. Now, what I want to ask you is, what do you think that Jesus has to do to get the eye? To get the stink eye from all the people that are around him. Do you think it's his preaching of the law? Where he says, you've heard it said you shall not kill, but I say to you, if you call your brother a fool, you've killed him. Do you think it's Jesus being so exclusive when he says there's there's no way to the Father but by me? Do you think that's what it is? Do you think it's Jesus preaching of God's wrath? which is revealed against every sort of unbelief and ungodliness, this would be my guess if there were people giving Jesus the evil eye. But it's wrong. Jesus gets the eye when he preaches God's free grace. Listen to this verse that's at the end of the parable Jesus tells, the verse that you've just heard from Matthew 20, the parables of the worker in the vineyard where Jesus says, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? The King James and New King James offer perhaps a little bit more literal translation of the words. Is it not lawful for me to do with what is mine own, or is thine eye evil because I am good? Do you give me the evil eye, because of my goodness? But this is exactly what's going on. The answer is yes. The the grace and the goodness, the mercy and the love of Jesus are the reason that he gets the stink eye from all the people around him. When Jesus was mercifully receiving sinners, when he was sitting there at the table with tax collectors and prostitutes, when he was reaching out and touching, can you believe this, touching lepers, associating with the godless, being a friend of sinners, this is the time when the grace of God is being poured out in an abundance with a seemingly reckless abandon. That's when the Pharisees walk by and they give Jesus the eye. What do you think you're doing? But why is this? 
Why is it that the grace of God causes the Pharisees and even us to scowl? Why are we tempted to give the gospel the evil eye? The parable that Jesus tells explains it. There was a man with a vineyard, and it was harvest time. He needed workers in the vineyard, so he went to hire them. He went at 6 in the morning, the beginning of the workday, and hired some workers. He agreed with them for a denarius for a day's work, which is a fair wage, and sets them to work. He goes back again at 9 o'clock and hires some more, at noon and hires some more, at 3 o'clock and hires some more, and even at 5 o'clock and hires some more. And so all of these workers come when it's quitting time at 6 o'clock, and they line up. The men who had been there for an hour are the first in line, and the men who had been there for 12 hours are last. And the foreman begins to give out the wages, and here come the men who worked one hour, and he gives them a denarius. The next group comes, the ones that had worked three hours, and they too are paid a denarius. The ones that came at noon, a denarius. At nine in the morning, a denarius. And those that came at six in the morning, one denarius. And this caused, to say the least, a ruckus. And of course it causes a ruckus. If you were there, or if I was there, we would have caused the ruckus ourselves. The guys who had worked all through the day were demanding equal pay for equal work. Now, the guys that worked for an hour, they were maybe sneaking out the back door. Or if they had a bit more noble character, maybe they would be saying, well, I know this isn't fair. We'll divide up the wages so we get equal pay for equal work. But the, those that were there who had spent 12 hours in the vineyard, they're enraged at this master. They're upset. They're grumbling. And, and you can bet that they're giving the master of the vineyard the eye. <laughs> and why? Because they thought that they deserved more. And by any sort of reasonable human standard, they were right. And this, dear saints, is the root of it. It's the rub. We fallen sinners cannot help but thinking of things in terms of fairness, of reciprocity, of, of earning and of paying and of deserving. For the normal things in life, this is all right, but not in the kingdom of God, not when it comes to Jesus and his serving us. Here in the church, here in God's kingdom, here in the heart of the Christian, everything must be about not works, not earning, not deserving, but grace. Free grace, sheer grace, nothing but grace, grace alone. When it comes to the gospel, there is no working, no deserving, no fairness, no payment, no earning, none whatsoever. But we're always trying to sneak it in there just a little bit of ourselves, 
Jesus saved me, it's true. But I, I accepted it. Jesus did all the work, but at least I made a decision to be a Christian. Or the, the subtlest form of this I, I know. Well, Jesus died on the cross for me. He did absolutely everything for me. But at least I didn't reject it. Aha! Uh -huh. <laughs> That's a tricky one. What is it for you? Is this thought there in your heart? I know this about myself and about each one of you because we have a sinful flesh that clings to us and it's always trying in one way or another just a little bit to take credit for our own salvation. What is it for you? Try this. Think about for a moment your neighbor that's not a Christian. That, that, that's an unbeliever. Think about them and think about yourself. And now ask yourself, why is it that you're a Christian and they're not? Why is it that you are a believer in Jesus and they are an unbeliever in Jesus? The answer to that question is your little flesh sneaking in there, your works. Whatever you think it is, whatever it is that you think that you've done or that you've not done, that you've accepted or that you've not rejected, that you've believed or that you've not believed, whatever it is that snuck in there, that is a little a splinter of unbelief that the devil has, has embedded in your own hearts. And with that little bit of merit that belongs to you, he has, he has overthrown the grace of God. He has undone it. He has given you reason for boasting a place for pride. The last line of defense of this little sliver of pride, this little sliver or splinter of our self-works, its last line of defense is simply to stand up in incredulity and say, surely I had something to do with my salvation, right? No. Jesus says no. Absolutely not. You had nothing to do with it. And that's when the gospel gets the stink eye. <laughs> what do you mean? It, I had nothing to do with it. What do you mean it was sheer grace apart from any sort of works on my own? The magnitude of God's grace will allow you to cling to nothing in yourselves, nothing that you are, nothing that you've done, nothing that you've prayed, nothing that you didn't reject, nothing at all. For by grace you have been saved by faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the work of God lest anyone should boast. This is what the gospel does. It cuts off all of our pride, all of our room for boasting, all of our self-justifying talk to where there is nothing of ourselves left at all. 
But that's exactly where Jesus wants us to be. For Christ came to save sinners, which we are the foremost. So we confess that we are poor, miserable sinners, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. So it is that out of love and sheer grace, God has called us and raised us from the dead and made us to be his own dear people, made us to be his children, made us to be his Christians. He has done it, and not we ourselves. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, says Jesus? Or do you begrudge my generosity? No, Lord, We do not begrudge your generosity. For his generosity is our life. His generosity is our salvation. His generosity is our forgiveness and our hope and our peace and our comfort and our door to life eternal. His generosity is His cross, His body broken, His blood shed, His Holy Spirit sent out, the promise of baptism, and this here on the altar. We do not begrudge His generosity because His generosity is everything for us. It is heaven and it is earth. It is life and life eternal. It is ours in death and all the way to the face of God in heaven. No, Lord, we do not begrudge your generosity, but we treasure it, we lavish in it, and we eat and we drink it and enjoy it both now and forever. For if this whole salvation thing was up to us, we would among all people be the most pitiable. But it is the work of God for us. And in this, we can be confident. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.